Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, verse 12. One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. If you need to sing the song to be able to get through this, that's okay. That's how I learned them. Simon, whose name was Peter, uh, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, uh, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Father, I pray that you would just be with us today. Lord, draw us close uh, to, to yourself today, and I pray that you'd speak to us the things that you want us to hear. Lord, thank you for these dads, and I just pray, Lord, blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the ways that I like to study the Bible and gain some insights is by changing perspectives. If you do it the same way over and over again, you're going to kind of see the same things over and over again. Uh, Sometimes you have to drill down on each word and find out what they mean. And then sometimes you have to take line by line and make sure you, you get the concept. But sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture uh, so you can get the big sweeping narratives of the word that God's trying to communicate. And so today is one of those big picture days. Not so much anchored to a particular scripture, uh, but to the trends of Christ's time here on the earth. Uh, so there, the, the, the examples that I use from scripture today will be found all over the gospels. All right, The relationship that Jesus had with the 12 men that we just named, his 12 closest disciples, was a special relationship. Uh, we just saw some of them uh, named in this passage, right, from Luke. There were, they, they were handpicked by Jesus after uh, a night of praying about which of the larger group of disciples he was going to take these 12 from. And so uh, they would have unrestricted access to Jesus pretty much 24-7 for the next, for the next three, three and a half years. He was a lot of things to them. Think about the, the relationship between Jesus and and the disciples. He was a lot of things to them. He was their shepherd. He was savior. He was their teacher. Sometimes he was a referee because they fuss like brothers. Sometimes he was their example. Well, all the time he was their example. He was their trainer. He was their launching pad, right? So when you think about it all together, Jesus was in a sense fathering these men. 
He was being a father to them. He was a living expression of our heavenly father to these men here on the earth. To these 12, probably more than anybody else. Uh, So the way he treated them over the course of those years is a good pattern for us today as we try to navigate uh, this thing called fatherhood. So today's message is focused on, of course, fatherhood, on fathers. But the biblical principles of of fatherhood uh, and parenthood in general can be applied in a lot of different ways. So if you're not a father, don't tune me out. You can still hear this. You still need this. If you uh, are in other relationships, you're like, I'm not even a parent. That's cool. This can be applied in other kinds of relationships as well. So don't just switch it off because you're not a parent or not a dad. All right? So my family and I have already had our annual trip to the beach this year. Uh, All 13 13 of us um, went to the beach. Our five kids, our two in-laws, our four grandkids, and Valerie and me. Now, it is no secret to anyone, I am not a fan of the beach. Okay, that is, any other uh, beach haters in here? Thank you, hallelujah. Glory, there's way, I thought it was just me. Hallelujah. So, I, I don't really like sand. The beach is a bad place to not like sand, right? I, I don't really like sand. I don't really love sunscreen, I, I, but I'm pasty white otherwise, so sunscreen's not optional. I don't particularly like broiling in the sun for no good reason. Uh, not a big fan of crowds, particularly drunk crowds. Uh, not, I don't like feeling I'm in somebody's way. Not a big fan of moving the entire condo from the room to the beach every day. And then back again, can I get a witness up in here? Hallelujah. So, but other than that, I love the beach. Just like everybody else. Um, but I do, I still love going to the beach every year because it's a chance to spend time with the people who mean the most to me. And I love how much they love the beach, right? So that's all good. It's really interesting to me, though, as, as every year to be able to go. It's interesting because I have kids ranging from 11 years old to 28, and, and I've got grandkids from age 9 down to not quite 2. Uh, so we've got kids at different stages uh, of life, and it's really interesting to me who tends to overthink everything, all right? So, um, so I, I don't know if you know this or not, so he, you know, get ready to take notes. This is a news flash of the year, but you can't parent a 28-year-old grown man the same way you parent a 2-year-old. Did y'all notice that? Did y'all, did y'all jot that down so you don't forget it? You, you got to do something different. You, you have to change. You have to grow. I, I don't care if you're father of the year for the toddlers. The same strategies and mindsets that you use in that stage of life is not necessarily going to transfer. It's not necessarily going to be real helpful as they grow into the other stages. And you want them to grow into the other stages. right? So good dads have to learn to adapt on the fly. So while I was at the beach this year, I saw this parallel between the way Jesus treated his disciples and the way I had to treat uh, the various groups and stages of my kids and grandkids and possibly some other kids, some strangers' kids that may have come up. I don't know. They all sort of look the same after a while. So I'd like to share with you um, some of those things that, that occurred to me uh, on, on the beach trip this year. So today's message, especially for, your, for you dads, is fatherhood is just a day at the beach. <laughs> fatherhood is just a day at the beach. 
All right. Now, let's find out how that's true. Let me show you a couple pictures here right off the, right off the bat. Here's a couple pictures. So there's me and, there's me and Beckett uh, at the beach. Listen, he's cute, y'all. I know I'm not much to look at, but he's cute. I need a y'all. I need an awe or something. Thank you. Completely spontaneous. Yes. So that's, that's us standing there. Oh, he is so cute. So, all right. Uh, I, I don't know how long we stood down there, um, but Beckett and I spent a good bit of time standing pretty much right there uh, at the edge of the water. He liked standing uh, and letting the waves sort of roll up on his feet and his legs. Uh, and, and so uh, most of the time I had him right in front of me with his two little feet right between mine and with me holding on to both of his hands. Okay, so you say, well, you're just being an overprotective grandfather. No, it was a red flag pretty much the whole time we were down there. The weather was not great for the sun worshipers in the crowd. Um, he, he couldn't have even stood in that water, uh, much less swim, because it, was, it would have been too much for him. So as a father, you have to determine what stage of life your kids are at, and you have to determine what they can handle and what they can't. Right? So when they're little, they're in what I'd like to call the intervention phase. The intervention phase. What's the intervention phase? It means you stand close enough that you can intervene if they get in trouble. Right? How, how you, you need to, in this phase, you're helping them to learn how to stand. He's just, I'm just trying to help him learn how to stand, how to find solid ground, how to respond to changing conditions. And dangerous situations, and maybe most importantly, how to defend, how to depend on the Father for help. Now, while we were standing in the surf, his little feet would get covered up by the sand. Right? That's that's just what happens. So he's sinking deeper and deeper, which made it harder and harder for him to stand. Now, if he had stood there uh, much longer, he it would have made it hard for him to even stand up, and he'd have gotten knocked down and covered up by the surf. But he's still in the intervention stage. So I was right there. And so every so often, I'd let him sort of enjoy the sand around him for a little while. But every so often, I already had his hands in my hands. I'd just pick him up and I'd let the sand fill in the holes. And I'd just set him right back down on some more packed sand. And I just repeated that over and over again as long as we were there. You see, sometimes when you're really young, you don't realize that there are going to be some things in your life that are going to try to stop you, some things that are going to try to overwhelm you, some things that are going to try to bury you. And you've got you've to learn that you're going to have to step out of some stuff. You're going to have to step up on the lessons that you've learned, and you're going to have to stand strong as you face whatever comes next. Did y'all hear me? Y'all hear what I'm saying? You've got to step out. You got to step up. You got to stand strong as you get older. How do you learn that? By staying close to the Father. By following His direction to solid ground. By letting Him intervene on your behalf. You know what I would have done if Beckett had not let me do that? Like if he'd have been, wouldn't, just wouldn't let me pick him up and put him on solid ground and just been fighting me? I'd have just picked him up and stood there with him. Right? Or. I'd have just turned around and we'd have gone back to the, um, the, little, um, the little camp of umbrellas we had back there because they don't let tents anymore. So the umbrellas and the chairs, we'd just gone a safe distance from what might have hurt him. Sometimes you wonder why some things in your life just sort of disappear. 
You, you wonder why suddenly some things are gone? Some people disappear, some opportunities dry up for you? Well, it might just be that you weren't listening to the Father when He tried to tell you about it, so He had to intervene on your behalf. Like a good father, if he tries to correct you and you aren't really able to help yourself, then sometimes a good father is just going to pick you up and tote you on out of there, right? And that's what our father does for us as well. We have to learn to let him intervene. We have to have the good sense to listen to him when he's trying to get our attention. You see, the goal of the intervention phase is not to create dependence is to create trust. Now, well, if I just keep doing stuff for them, then how are they going to learn? No, they, the, the goal is for them to learn to trust the Father. They learn to trust you when you intervene to keep them safe. And they're learning how to do it themselves. But, but with that safety net of having you right beside them the whole way. And as we continue to go to the beach each year, uh, I'm looking forward to, to uh, just seeing them change. But I'll be able to let them get a little further away, right? A few more years, I'll be able to step back a little bit more. But I'm still going to stay close, just in arm's reach. So if something happens, I can still snatch them up. I can still intervene. But that foundation of trust and teaching that gets started in this phase is going to continue to produce benefits as they grow into the other phase. But don't forget this. Listen, these, sta- these phases or stages, they're not linear. It's not like you complete it, check it off, and never come back again. Because sometimes you circle back and repeat a phase for a particular situation in your life. You might have grown and matured, but suddenly you might be faced with a situation that confuses you and overwhelms you. So that same father who helped to get you through to maturity is more than willing to step back in and step close and hold your hands and intervene for you uh, on your behalf if you get into something that's over your head. Right? Because he's a good father. Now, when Jesus first called the disciples, they spent pretty much every waking moment together. And, and, and he would teach, them. he'd keep them close and he'd teach them. He would explain things that they didn't understand. He would, he would let them do a few things, but it was at his direction. And he was right there. He gave them clear, simple directions. Like, remember this? Go gather whatever food we have. Right? Now bring it to me so I can bless it. Okay, now have these 15,000 people sit down in groups of 50 or 100 so we can get organized, all right? Now, come get the food that I blessed and take it out. I've, I've multiplied it. Now, take it out there so they, can, so they can eat. Now, go back, get the leftovers so we can eat, right? Eat right beside them all the way, ready to intervene if they needed it. And if they messed up or if they got in over their heads... He was right there to intervene and teach them what they did wrong. Y'all remember Peter? Hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to walk on the water to you. Yeah, Peter, it's me. Come on out. And then what happened? Jesus, help me. I'm drowning. And, and Jesus intervened immediately. Doesn't the scripture say immediately Jesus took him by the hand, pulled him out of the surf, and then taught him a lesson as they walked back to the boat, taught him a lesson on faith, and helped him to understand. It was intervention stage. Okay? 
Now, as kids get a little older, hopefully they mature and they go to the next stage. So here's a, here's a different couple of pictures. So uh, you can't really see who that is. Let me show you who that is. You go to the next picture. Yeah, so there's Caden and Haley. Caden's my oldest. Yo, an awe is, is appropriate. Yeah, that's good. So Caden uh, is my oldest grandchild and Haley is my youngest child. Uh, and, and you can see that they were a little further out in this case. I wasn't right beside them. Uh, why? Because they've got some experience now. They've got some strength of their own now. They know how to keep their feet in the surf. They know how to swim. They know how to jump some waves. They know which waves to jump, which ones to turn around and just take it, and which ones to dive through, right? They've got some experience. They don't need me to intervene for them directly. So, uh, but they do still need some things from their father or from their pop, all right? They need instruction. So this phase is called the instruction phase, not intervention, but instruction. So what's this about? Well, just because they know how to face the waves in front of them doesn't mean they've got the perspective to see what's coming. They don't know what dangers might be approaching them or how far they might have drifted from where they were supposed to be. So my fathering for them included watching for sharks because we've watched Shark Week, right? And like every three swimmers get bit by a shark or something on Shark Week. So we've got to watch for the sharks. We've got to watch for creepy dudes because there's creepers everywhere, right? Is there going to be like a creeper week on Nat Geo or something? So there, there's sharks, there's creepy dudes, there's dangerous surf. Like sometimes the waves get bigger and you don't expect, the kids don't expect it, they don't see it coming. And then mostly every few minutes I would stand up and go, Right? Because they're like halfway to a different condo down there. And they have no idea. They're doing what they've been doing, right, just doing it right in front of them. They're not seeing the big picture. Now, I'm not hands-on now. I don't have to go intervene directly for them anymore. But now I'm giving them instruction. I'm telling them what to do. I'm trusting that they're going to follow my instructions. However, sometimes they either misunderstand me or they ignore me and so I have to go and correct the issue, right? Get them back where they're supposed to be and send them back out and, and make sure we've got, uh, we understand each other now, right? So dad, at some point, you have to stop intervening for them in everything. You can't fight every battle. Amen. You can't protect them from everything. And here's the other thing that maybe nobody tells you now. You shouldn't protect them from everything. Ain't nobody saying amen today. All right. Listen, they're going to take some tumbles. The wave is going to knock them down sometimes. They're going to get skint up from the shells that they fall into when the wave knocks them out. They're going to think they're going to drown in a few waves that are stronger than they thought. But they're not going to drown. Why? Because you're a good dad. Because you're still watching them. You're making sure you're going, ooh, that's going to leave a mark. And then you're just waiting for them to get up, right? But, and, and, and if they don't get up, what are you going to do? You're going to go intervene. They, they, can't, they can face what's right in front of them or you wouldn't let them be out there, right? A few times uh, I've waved them in a little closer because they'd gotten too far out. And what would I, what would I have done if there had been a shark 
or a creeper heading their way, dad would have intervened. I'd have gone hands on, right? Either to pick them up and get them on their feet again or to get them out of danger or to eliminate the threat. Can you see me trying to ride that shark, get off them? <laughs> but that's, that's what dads do, right? I'm going to go fight a shark. Sounds like a great plan. But that's what you do to keep your kids safe. This stage feels different from intervention, but it's just as important. See, in the first stage, they're learning to trust you. In this stage, they're learning to trust themselves. They're learning to trust themselves. They're getting some experience, but they still need you. They need those lessons. They need those conversations on the way to school or on the way to church. You, they, they need those conversations after those less than stellar progress reports or after that breakup with the love of their 10-year-old life, right? They need those conversations. That's what the instruction stage is all about. After some time had passed with the disciples, Jesus sent them out on their, on their own in ministry pairs. You remember this? He, he sent them out two by two. And what did he do? He gave them very specific instructions. He put the bumper, the gutter pads in there, right? He told them where to go. He told them what message to preach. He told them what to take, told them where to stay, how to handle rejection, gave them some limited authority on what it was they, were, they, could, uh, they could do. Uh, and, and then when they came back, they went off by themselves so he could hear their experiences and give them further instructions based on their limited but value, their limited but valuable ministry experience in that time. And so in this phase, he gets to say really cool stuff. Do you, do you hear yourself say the craziest things to people, to kids in this stage? Like, don't, don't, not, don't eat your toes. What's wrong with you? Why do you, nobody eats toes? Like, you say strange things in the instruction phase. Jesus got to say strange things to the disciples. Like, no, John, it's not okay to call down fire on a village because they didn't like your message. It's literally in the Bible. Y'all read it. it. He'd say things like, no, guys, this demon only comes out by prayer and fasting, and y'all ain't been doing near enough of that. Right? He's like, no, jerks, don't chase the kids away because I actually like kids, and you could learn a few things from them. Right? Jesus helping them grow through the instruction stage. He does the same for us, doesn't he? He does the same for us. If you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, wouldn't you agree that he teaches you through on-the-job training? Like, you don't get a, a, a master's degree before you get to go do anything. He calls you and then sends you almost in the same, almost in the same uh, conversation. The best lessons you learn are when Jesus allowed you to take a couple of punches on the chin, right? You get popped in the mouth a little bit, you start realizing how much you need him. He, he's not going to protect us from everything. We can't learn like that. He's going to allow us some limited authority on his behalf as we learn to grow, as we learn to operate, so, so that we can know how to operate in this world. But rest assured, he will intervene on your behalf if the fight's not fair, there are limits as to what the enemy is allowed to do in your life. Did y'all know that? Like he, he, the enemy doesn't just get to come do whatever he wants to do. There are limits to what he's allowed to do. And the enemy will obey those limits. Not because he doesn't hate you, because he does. Not because he wouldn't like to destroy you, because that's almost that's, that's his job description. Not because he's afraid of you. 
but because he's afraid of our loving, protective father who's protecting his kids and putting the boundaries in. All right? So there's the intervention stage. There's the instruction stage. And here's the last stage of fatherhood, uh, and it's the intercession and illumination stage. Intercession and illumination. Now, I don't have any pictures of this. Oh, I don't have pictures of this because this, this year's beach trip, the surf was way too high. It was double red flags most of the time. Uh, so you couldn't really get in much past your knees without getting arrested. So, um, so we didn't. But, but most of the time, the adults, the older teenagers would go way out from the shore. They'd go way out towards the, towards the sandbar, out where it's over your head. Out where the sharks live, according to Shark Week, according to Valley, Right? Don't get bit by a shark. Um, if you get bit by a shark, I'm going to kill you. That, you know, logical, reasonable things like that. Um, in parenting terms, it, it, they're so far out that if they got in trouble, honestly, there wouldn't be anything I could do but call the authorities um, and, and, and hope somebody can get out there to help them. They would have to, when you're that far out, you have to watch for the dangers on your own. Right? You better be smart enough, experienced enough to be looking out. Like, should I go any further than this? Should I move to the left or to the right? Is this okay? Should we come on back? What, like, what's the deal? They would have to respond to their own emergencies. They had to make sure they hadn't drifted too far from the left or to the right from where they got in. And my job as a dad in those moments is just stay on the shore in the same place. Like, I need to be where they expect me to be be visible for them to check themselves against my location. Kind of like a lighthouse does so they can verify their direction and their heading. Zach and Morgan are married with their own families now. I can't intervene in their lives anymore. It's not appropriate. That stage is over. I can't call their bosses and ask for a raise for them. Now, you need to give my boy a raise. What in the world? I mean, I'm not saying parents don't do that. <laughs> I ain't calling the Carroll County Sheriff <laughs> to ask for my boy to get a raise, okay? Because that's just dumb. That's just not appropriate. It's not, I can't call uh, Morgan's boss and defend her if she's in trouble at work. That's just that's not healthy. It's not appropriate. The goal of parenting is to get them to this stage, right? You've taught them to, to trust you. And you've taught them to trust yourself. This is the hardest stage of parenting, maybe, because this is the stage where you learn to trust them. You have to learn to trust them. And here's the hard part. They're going to get in over their heads. <laughs> They're going to do some enthusiastically stupid things. Right? They're going to dip down and you ain't going to see their heads for a while. And they're going to pop back up and hopefully go, Woo! I ain't doing that again. That was dumb. Right? You, but they're going to swallow some water. They're going to drift off of true north sometimes. But listen to me. This stage is important. You stand strong 
You put your feet down. You just stay where you're supposed to be. You keep praying. You keep being a man of God, dads. You keep loving them. You keep trusting them. You keep believing in them. You keep believing that the seeds that you've sown into their lives are going to grow into something that's going to make you proud, something that they can use, and something that's going to be healthy for them. That's the job. Listen, I'm telling you one thing. My dad wasn't perfect. No man is. But never once did he give me the idea that he thought I was going to fail. And we made, we made dumb mistakes. We made bad choices. We made dumb mistakes. And, and he never once did I tell him about a challenging opportunity that we were facing that he told me not to do it because he thought it was too hard. Not once. He trusted me to try. He trusted me. Fathers, the best thing you can do for your kids is to let them know you trust them and you're proud of them. Well, when's the last time you told them that? I know, I know we, we get in this stage and we want to give advice and we want to tell them stuff. And we want, when's the last time you just sent your kid a text and said, hey, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're doing good. I trust you. Hey, I know you got a hard decision ahead of you. I just want you to know I believe in you. I believe you're going to make it. I believe you're going to do good. I know whatever choice you make is going to be great. What would that what would that have done for you when you were 20 or 30? Be the parent. Don't be the parent you had. Be the parent you wish you had. Let them know you trust If they ask you for advice, they ask you for instruction, then obviously give it to them. But otherwise, you're just there to illuminate the way. Keep shining your light so they can figure out when they've drifted. Be the example that they need of what it looks like to be a godly man in this world. And keep interceding for them. Pray for them. Fight hell for them. There is no version of fathering that's easy. Each stage has its own challenges. Do y'all remember thinking, if I can just get them out of diapers, I'll have this thing whooped? Right? Valerie and I used to talk about this all the time. I'd say, baby, if we could just say, go get in the car. And they just go get in the car. Like, we'll have this thing whooped. It'll be over. That's it. And, you know, you just think, if they could just tell me what's wrong with them. And then they do. Who decided teaching these youngins to talk was a good idea? Then they start telling you stuff you did not ask for. Some things they want. They, all kinds of crazy mess. Like, be quiet. You spend the first, what, year going, I wish you'd talk. And the rest of their lives going, I wish you'd shut up. <laughs> You're like, changing your diaper was the easiest thing I ever did for you. There's no phase of parenting that is easy. And you think, man, if I can get through this phase, it gets easier. No, it doesn't. Each stage has its own challenges. But keep interceding for your kids. Keep illuminating the way like a lighthouse anchored on the shore. When it's time for Jesus to return to the Father after he'd already been the, uh, he was about to become the sacrifice for our sin, be crucified, um, buried, resurrected. He gave the disciples their commission 
He left them his shining example. He left them his spirit to remind them of the way. And then he sent them out. He sent them out, trusting that they would do what he taught them to do. But you know what else he did the night before his crucifixion? This is in John 17, if you want to look this up. Uh, Jesus prayed for them. He prayed for them. He was about to go to the garden. He was on the way to the garden of Gethsemane. He was about to take on the sins of all mankind. But he prayed for them. He interceded for them. Jesus prayed for the disciples. And you know what else? He prayed for you. He prayed for you. Read it in John 17. He said, said, Father, I pray for not only these, but everybody who will ever come to faith because of them and because of their example and because of their teaching. That's everybody who's ever been a believer. Jesus prayed for all of us. And guess what? His light hasn't stopped shining because his example is preserved in the pages of his word. And he hasn't stopped praying for us. This is the one last, the one last scripture I want you to see today. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, verse 23. It said, There were many priests under the old system for death prevented them from remaining in office. These are human priests, so they would die. They had to, had, had to be replaced. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he's able once and forever to save those who would come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on behalf of those who would come to him. That's us. He's the kind of high priest we need because he's holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He's been set apart from sinners and been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Do you see what he does for us? How how he fathers us? He's always interceding for us. And he is a holy and blameless example for us to follow. The word says for us not to turn to the left or to the right. Well, how do you know you're off course? Because you look at the shining light that he left us, the example that he was to us, the the word that he left for us, and you look at this and you line yourself back up with it. He's interceding for us. He's illuminating the way for us while he trusts us to carry out his will and do his kingdom work. Listen, fatherhood, just today at the beach, just today at the beach, dad, let me ask you this. Are you growing as a father as your kids grow? Are you learning how to father continually? I'm telling you, the longer I live, the less I know about parenting. Like if you wanted to know everything there was to know about being a good father, you should have caught me about 25 years ago because I knew everything. Right? You want to know about good parenting? Talk to these people that ain't had no kids yet. Right? They know it all. Then these kids pop out and you start flipping pages trying to find the page they're on. They ain't on a page. <laughs> Throw all the other books out. Just keep this one. Just keep that one. And keep growing and keep changing. Are, are you being for them what they need in the stage that they're in. And listen, you gotta, you got to wake up and recognize where they are and what stage they're in. They're not babies. They're not babies for long. I started to say they're not babies anymore. Some of you do have babies, but they're not going to stay that way long. You're going to blink 
and take a nap and you're going to wake up and them jokers are like seven and you can't parent them like toddlers anymore. Right? You're going you're gonna to have to continue to grow and be for them what they need in those stages. And it's hard. Are you raising them with the goal of seeing them thrive and grow on their own? Like, are you raising them to be independent? Are you raising them so that you'll be a launching pad for them to go into their future and be what God's called them to be? Are you raising them to be dependent on you? That's what Jesus does for us, right? He raises us so that we can go and do what it is he's called us to do. And that's what he wants for us to do for our kids as well. So why don't you stand, everybody? Why don't you stand? If this is okay, I'd just like to, uh, I'd like to pray a blessing over all the dads. That'd be all right? Um, If you're, if, if you are around your dad or, um, or around your husband and their father, would you just lay your hands on them? Or, you know, you're around a dad that is your friends with, you know, and it wouldn't be inappropriate or uncomfortable to put your hand on their shoulder. Do that right now. Let's just make a point of contact for, for blessing, for blessing them. Lord, what a privilege and an honor and an incredible responsibility it is to be a dad. And Lord, I just, uh, I pray blessing over them because I, I know, Lord, in some ways, pastoring is sort of like fathering as well. So Lord, I, I, I'm proud of these men. I'm proud of the dads that they are. I thank you that you've, uh, that you've blessed their children with good dads. And I just I thank you for it. And I just pray blessing on them. I pray your hedge of protection around them. I pray, Lord, your wisdom upon them. I pray, God, that they are rooted and grounded in your word, that they're grounded and rooted in you. Lord, that, they, that everything that they say and do is, is led by your spirit and not by their flesh. I pray, Lord, that every day, and I know we all sin and I know we all make mistakes and we all say things and do things that we wish we hadn't done. I pray, Lord, that if that's the case and if, those, if there are more of those and there are the times we've been the example we should have been, I pray that today is the day we press the reset button. I pray that today we say, I've, just, I've been messing this up. I've not been the man I need to be. I've not been the father I need to be. But today I'm recommitting myself or, or maybe committing yourself for the first time to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and, and as I follow Jesus, my kid gets to follow me. And I pray today, Lord, that you help us to recommit ourselves to being the father that we need to be for our kids in every stage and every situation. Lord, I pray that we stay on our knees. I pray we stay humble. I pray we stay teachable. I pray, Lord, that we, that we are able to be for our kids what they need to be. And Lord, I pray that, that you would bless our kids collectively, that you'd bless all the kids that we get to father. And I pray, Lord, that, that they would grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Lord, that they would grow and, and have everything they need to go into the world and, and be a part of the kingdom. Lord, that in, in one sense there are sons and daughters, but in another sense there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that you'd help us to raise them as such. Lord, I pray that you'd give uh, every dad strength and peace. Help us to know, Lord, that when we mess up, that we can always go and say, we messed up 
And we're sorry. Help us, Lord, when the pressure gets too much and the pain gets too great, Lord, that we would humble ourselves and fall on our faces before you and realize that we can't do it without you. Lord, those of us who are fathers and also husbands, I pray that you help us to to not just be the father, but the husband we need to be as well. And Lord, we just pray your wisdom and your grace upon us, your blessing. I pray, Lord, that today is a great day. I pray that today is a, is a, a wonderful day for the dads who are here, that they enjoy some time with their kids, communicating with them, whether they get to spend time with them or not, just enjoying the memories and enjoying the opportunities that they've had to, to be parents. I pray that you bring peace to those of us who, uh, whose fathers have passed on or those who never had a good relationship with their father. I pray, God, that today we find peace and strength and solace in our relationship with you as our one and only perfect Father, our Heavenly Father. I pray that we are grateful for who you are and what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for every dad in this room, for everyone who's watching or listening. We pray your blessing on them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.